so much uh, for Maddie. I thank you for his heart. I thank you for his love for you. I thank you for his love for this place, for this town, for this community. And God, I thank you that he loves your word and that he feasts on it daily. And out of that, you've given him a word to share with us today. And so we, we believe that you want to speak to us. And so we, by your Holy Spirit, God, I pray you'd make our hearts tender and moldable. God, would you speak to us from your word? And, and we believe that your word is living and active and sharp. It goes down deep into our hearts and it will pierce our heart. And we pray for that today, God, that you would, you would spiritually touch us today from your word and sharpen us for your glory. God, we want to be the men and women, boys and girls uh, that are known for chasing after you with all our hearts. So we pray over Maddie today. Give him power to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, just a, a couple of things before we start. Just to say a little bit more about the, the couple day, couple's day that is coming up on the 35th September. That's a, a Saturday. Uh, the day will run from 10 o'clock in the morning till, till about 4 in the afternoon. There will be the, the creche um, available for anyone who has little ones. There will be food around. Um, we've got three guest speakers coming in to share their experience. I've only had four months, of, four months, four weeks of being married, so I haven't got that much to say yet other than that I get in trouble a bit. Um, but, uh, so if you want to sign up for that, come, in, come and see me and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get your name down. It's going to be a really, really good day and uh, the food should be pretty good as well. So we're going we're gonna to continue our series in, in Galatians. I hope you've been in, enjoying it. I, I absolutely love working through a book in the Bible because you hit so many different um, topics and like, big ideas that God wants us to to get a hold of and to understand. Um, And you you, you follow, well, in this case, you follow Paul. He he often starts off with the big ideas, sharing about who God is and and what he's done and why we need him. And then he goes on to say, now, in light of all of that, this is how we're going to live. You know, sometimes we think, don't we, that Christianity is like, you've got to do this and you've got to do that to be a good Christian. The Bible doesn't teach it that way. The Bible says, look at who God is. Look, see how amazing he is. See how much he loves you. And then in light of that, how, how are we going to live? So we're going to continue in Galatians. So that's in the, um, that's in the New Testament, the ninth book. If you, if you haven't got a Bible and you'd like one, um, come and see me and you'll get one by the end of the week. If you'd like someone to read the Bible with you, again, come and see me and, and that will definitely be arranged because we totally and utterly at Teesside Vineyard believe in this book. We believe that it is the truth. We believe that it tells about who God is. And we believe that what is in this book is the only way that you are saved and the only way that lives are transformed. So if you, need, if you haven't got one of these books and you want one, come and see me. I'll also show you an app as well if you want it on your phone. Uh, so last week we were in Galatians chapter 3. Um, and last week we, we looked at how Paul was explaining to the Galatians once again how it is that we're saved. Remember the Galatians, they started off well. Paul came to Galatia and, and preached the gospel. He said, look guys, you, Jesus died for you. And the way that you're made right with God, the way that you're saved is by putting your faith in what Jesus has done for you. Nothing to do with what you have done. It's all based 
Your salvation, being made right with God, is all based on what Jesus has done for you. Because what had happened in Galatia is that they'd started off well. They believed that stuff, and they'd even seen the Holy Spirit. They'd seen God do amazing things amongst them. But then they got tricked. Like the, the, the guys with a Jewish background came and said, oh, no, to be, to be proper Christians, to be really good super Christians, you've got to follow all the Old Testament laws. And Paul comes along and says, no, 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 no. You were set free from the slavery of religion. You're set free from the slavery of sin. Don't go back to it. Keep your faith in Jesus. So, so that's, where, that's where we started. The, the, the big idea that Paul's been explaining so far in, in Galatians is, is what we call the, the doctrine of justification. So how we are made right with God. How we are justified before God. It is, to, to define it, it's like the, the gracious act of God by which he, in which he declares a sinner righteous, purely based on faith in Jesus. So justification is the gracious act of God by which he de- declares a sinner righteous, purely based on having faith in Jesus Christ. That's what, what Paul has been explaining so far in Galatians. It is like that's our bread and butter. That's like the, the most fundamental doctrine in, in the Christian faith. All the, all the other belief systems and ideas around the world say, do this, this, and this, and you'll be right with God. Remember last week we talked about how uh, the high jumpers, they managed two meters. There were a million miles off being able to reach, jump to the moon. There's no way we can make ourselves right with God. He's too perfect. He's too holy. But thankfully, he's so wonderful and so loving that he did it for us. He sent Jesus to die for us, and by faith in him, we are made right with him. Not being christened, not coming to church, not being born in England, not being Catholic or whatever. By faith in Jesus, that is how we are justified. A summary statement could be that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Saved by grace, nothing that we've done. Through faith, putting our belief in Jesus, in, that, in Christ alone justification. Now, no matter how many times you've heard that message, no matter how many times you've heard that statement, it should stir something in you. Like what Danny was saying about some of the songs that we've been singing, you know, and they're not just words on a screen that we sing to a, a nice tune. Like, we're speaking to the God who made the universe, the God who has saved us, the God who is now our Father. And and this is where we're moving on to today. So I, wanna, I want you to try and picture the scene, okay? You're in, you're in court, and there's a judge before you. And the evidence is stacked up. You've committed some horrific crimes. The right punishment being death for those crimes. And the judge is about to pronounce the judgment when his son walks through the door and stands next to you and says, I'll take the punishment. In, instead of this person, instead of you. And then the son is taken away and put to death. The judge's own son. And then the judge looks back at you and says, you're not guilty. That's justification. You're not guilty. But then something even more amazing happens. The judge comes down out of, out of the dog with his wig and all that. He comes and he undoes your chains himself. And then he says, you're going to come home with me as my child, and I love you, and you get the full riches of my house. That's adoption. 
And that's what we're moving on to today. So justification, not guilty, made right with God. But then it gets even better. We get adopted into the family of God. In, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to be celebrating with my cousin and, and his wife, who, uh, who have just adopted this earlier this year, two, two young lads, um, and, and we're going to go to the, to the dedication service. And I absolutely love the heart behind what, they, what they're doing. Um, but it's been interesting speaking to, to them and other parents as well who have, who have adopted children, and, and just some of the, 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 the not-to-say phrases or not-to-ask questions uh, that, you, that, they, that they get asked or get spoken to. Um, which He says it in quite a funny way, but I, I know sometimes it, it, it can really, really get to him. So I know, like, at, at one point he said, oh, um, you know, these lads are lovely. Do you have any children of your own? And my cousin's like, these are mine. These are fully my children, definitely. And then um, uh, another one was, uh, have you ever met the lad's real mother? And he's like, well, yes, I was married to her for five years now. <laughs> and then uh, another one, because um, the lads aren't from, from around here, a uh, different part of the country, they say, <laughs> they've had said, are you going to teach the lads about, um, about some of the culture from, from, from their original part of the country? Are you going to teach them about their cultural heritage? And my cousin said, well, I, I'm, I'm already doing that. They support the borough, and they have a palm oil every, uh, every Friday night. They, they know their culture very, very well. And I think some of those comments, phrases, which I know I've been guilty of thinking of myself, they sort of re- reveal that, that maybe we have a bit of a, 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 a problem understanding that a child, when, you, when they're adopted into a family, really are fully part of that family. There's, there's no distinction between a biological child and an adoptive child. Those words, biological and adopted, they describe like the process of how this child entered the family, but that child is fully and utterly, completely part of that family. So as we're thinking today about being adopted into the family of God, know this, get this, as we were singing, you're a child of God, not partly there's not, there's no, uh, in, like, there's no insecurity about this. You are totally and utterly, by faith in Jesus, part of the family of God, a child of God. Amen. Yes, we like that. So, so Galatians, Galatians. Uh, I'm going to start with the last couple of verses of uh, chapter three, um, and again, we're going to go work through the whole of chapter four. So, I'll, I'll, I'll divide it up into, uh, yeah, it, well, I'll. I'll Read through a bit of the passage, and then and then we'll give a bit of teaching, have some thoughts around it, um, and then move on to the next next bit of the passage. So, just going to read from Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-six down to chapter four, verse seven. So it says that so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus, if you belong to Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when you were underage... 
when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Now, in, in this passage, the word, like, sons, you have become sons in the family of God is, is used. And, and that's not the, the Bible being sexist or saying that the males get it all and the women get nothing. No, like, look, look back to what Paul has just said in chapter 3. There's, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is the male or female. Instead of being exclusive, the, the, the riches of the kingdom reserved for the males or the sons, it's inclusive. It breaks down all those barriers and those dividing walls. What, what Paul is saying here when he says that you have received the rights of sonship, you became a son in the family of God, is that back in first century culture, the sons would receive the full like inheritance. They would, they would get the, the big portion of the estate. But in Christ, whether you're Jew, Gentile, slave, free, man, woman, whether you've got a job, you haven't got a job, have you been in prison, you haven't been in prison, whatever your background, in Christ, there's no barrier. When you come to him, you receive adoption as a son, like, and you get the fullness of the kingdom of God in that moment. There's no barrier. So, and, and Paul also, first, first one of, of chapter four, he contrasts children and sons. So he says, what I'm saying, that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is, is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So that heir there, that's also like child and, and well, there we go. Verse 4, I'll go to verse 4. Um, but when the time has fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that it might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit of his son into our hearts. So the, the children in first century culture would be looked after slaves of the household. So in essence, in the hierarchy of the house, they were, they were no different to the slave, even though they were part of the family. And, but then a time would come where they would become a son. And in that moment, they would receive, like, or they'd have at their disposal the full riches of the estate. And remember back in chapter 3, Paul was saying that, that once you were, you were under the law, and the law was like your guardian, it was your trustee, it was when you were a child saying, don't do this, do this, you can't go here, you, you can go there. It was putting barriers on, and you had to submit yourself, you were a slave to that. But now, Paul says, now the time has come when you were a son. So don't worry about the law in the Old Testament because you are a son set free as a child of God. So, we're going to look at uh, verses four, 4 to 6, and these are some, some action-packed verses. This is, this is like how, how we become adopted as a, as a child of God. Because like for, for my cousin, there was a, a lengthy process up until that point when the judge declared that those two lads are now his, his children. There was things that had to fall into place. There was 
qualifications that had to be met. So what, are the, what things had to fall in place? What were the qualifications that had to fall in place for us to be adopted as, as children of God? So the, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, When the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. So, the first thing, the first thing that had to happen, adoption requires someone and certain things to fall into place at the right time for a particular child. So, it says that when, when the time had fully come, when the time had fully come, so what was, what was right about that time, 2,000 years ago when Jesus came, it, it was the, the right time theologically, like there was loads of prophecies and stuff in the Old Testament about when the Messiah would come, and Jesus came and fulfilled them. He was born in Bethlehem, just like the scriptures said. He was born of a virgin, just like the scriptures said. It was the, the right time theologically. It was the, the right time spiritually. At the time, there was a big spiritual hunger. Many Jews were, were starting to get a bit disillusioned by the Jewish religious system because they were seeing that some of the Pharisees were, were just in it to make money and they were hypocrites. And so there was a hunger being birthed. Some of the, the pagan religions were beginning to fall apart as other ideas came up. And there was a hole beginning to develop. And it was the right time politically, thanks to the Greeks and the Romans, there was one language across the empire. There was roads connecting the major cities. It was the, the right time theologically, spiritually, and politi politically. And then Jesus came. So it was adoption required someone at the right time. It was exactly the right time. The time had fully come. And then adoption requires someone who possesses the right qualifications. One of the things that my cousin um, had to have to, to take these two lads home was was a home. I mean, they were a bit strict about that one. I don't know if they were a bit loose on other things, but they had to have a home. That was one of the qualifications. They had to have uh, some sort of stable income into that home. And they had different qualifications that had to, had to be met. So what qualifications did, did Jesus have? Because it says that when the time had fully come, God sent his son. What qualifications did Jesus have, which meant that we could be adopted into the family of God? Well, firstly, Jesus was fully divine. He was fully God. So God sent his son because only God could take the weight of the, all the sin of the world on his shoulders and take the punishment for it. He, he, was, he was born of a woman. He was fully God, but he was fully human as well. Because Jesus is our substitute. He takes our place. So for him to do that, he had to be also, like us, fully human. And he was also fully righteous. He was born under the law to save those who were under the law. So remember, the law shows us, it acts as that mirror, shows us how far we've fallen from the glory of God, how imperfect we are. And what we needed was someone to come and fulfill the law, like, to follow it perfectly, so then that the law could have no hold on that person. Jesus wasn't a slave to the law. The law couldn't make any accusation against Jesus because he, he never did anything wrong. And then the beautiful thing is that then when we put our faith in Jesus, we become in Christ, we're clothed with his perfection, so that then we become also free from the law, no longer slaves to it. So adoption requires 
uh, the right time, someone to come at the right time, someone to possess the right qualifications. And also it requires someone who, who has the, the desire to adopt, like the a resolution that I'm going to go and, and rescue a child. You know, my cousin didn't pop out for some milk and come back with two kids. He, he had to, him and his, his wife had to set out and go on a lengthy process and get through so many hoops before they could bring the, these two lads home. Jesus had a purpose. Verse 5, it says that to redeem those under the law so that you might receive the adoption as, as, as sons, the adoption to sonship. Jesus' purpose was to come and rescue us. Remember we saw last week that the Old Testament law, it was like a mirror that showed us our sin. It showed us how far short we'd fallen from the glory of God. But like we said, you don't wash your face with the mirror. You have to get something else. You have to get water. The law showed us our sin. And Jesus came and washed us clean by his blood, by dying on the cross. Jesus came to rescue us. So, justification, we were, we were saved by faith, made right with God, purely on the basis of putting our faith in Christ. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then we enter into, at that moment, we're adopted into the family of God and we receive the full rights of a son, full the fullness of the kingdom of God. So, not only are we declared not guilty, but then we're taken home adopted into the family of God. We can call God our Father. And then it gets even more amazing because God then comes and makes his home in us. How do my cousin's two little boys know that they are part of this family? Is it because they keep checking the certificate? That they, is it because they keep looking back to the day when the judge said that these are now my cousin's children? No, it's because my cousin pours out his love onto these two lads day after day. And that's how, we, that's how they know that they are his children. Not because of a, a, a moment in the past, which was important when they were declared his children. That's, that certainly was important. But it's the day-by-day living experience of them receiving the love of my cousin and his wife that they know that they are part of this family. Now, there, there was a moment. There was a moment where Jesus died on the cross. There was a moment where you, you put your faith in what he did. You put your faith in Jesus, and at that moment you were declared not guilty. At that moment you were adopted into the family of God. And that's important, definitely, massively important. But you weren't just saved so you could look back on a decision that you made 20 years ago and think, oh, well, that's that, I did that. No, you were saved for a relationship. So you could cry out, Abba, Father, it's about an intimacy with a father in heaven who loves you and wants you to experience his love on a, on a daily basis. So you've got justification, being made right with God, adoption, you're now a child of God. But then even more wonderful than that, you get to enjoy that. You get to experience that love day by day as, as the Holy Spirit pours out his love into your hearts, says in Romans 5. So, I mean, yeah, I uh, don't have time for that. So we're, we're set free from the law. We, we don't have to worry about a religious tick box. This is about a, a relationship with God. And, and this is why Paul gets so like frustrated. He gets so frustrated with the Galatians back in chapter 3. You foolish Galatians, he says. He's, he gets so worked up and frustrated because 
of all of that. Paul's like, man, you, you've heard that Jesus died for you. You heard that God loves you. you. You heard that you don't have to follow all these religious rules and tick boxes. You heard that you don't have to be slaves to that sin anymore. All by just putting your faith in Jesus. And you've, you've heard that you're now children of God. And you've, you've heard and you've seen that the Holy Spirit has made his home in you. You've heard and seen all of that. So why on earth are you going back to being a slave to religion? and a slave to sin again. And he gets so frustrated, and he uses quite harsh words. But then, in the next few verses, you you see how Paul, he just lays his heart on the line, and he's so tender and compassionate, because he wants the Galatians to to get this. From from verses, uh, in chapter 4, from verses like 8 through to 18, he uses the word brothers three times. And then he, in once in verse 19, I think it is, he, he uses, he says, like, my dear children. You see, Paul, he's like, guys, I want you to get this. I gave so much to, so you could, so you could get this and understand this. And I'll, I'll just, just make, just briefly talk about the little illustration at the end of chapter four, because it's a little bit confusing, because it uses a, an illustration from the Old Testament. It talks about, um, Hagar and Sarah. And these are, are two women from, from Genesis. Uh, Sarah was Abraham's wife, and Abraham, married to Sarah, had been promised that, that his descendants would grow into a mighty nation, and all the nations on earth would be blessed through them. The problem was, Abraham was like a hundred year old, Sarah wasn't too far behind, and they were struggling to have children. So Genesis 16, Sarah gives Abraham her servant which is one of the not very pretty parts of the Old Testament, where she gives um, Abraham, her servant, a lady called Hagar. They have a child called Ishmael. And then in, in verse 17, God reaffirms the promise. It, no, Abraham, trust me, have faith in me. You and Sarah are going to have a child, and he's going to be called Isaac. He's the son of the promise. And then Paul kind of contrasts these two. He says, Hagar and Ishmael, that was done in like the natural way. And they, they were slaves. But Sarah and Isaac, that was done in a supernatural way. And he kind of just throws up this question again. He's like, were, were you saved in the natural way? Like by thinking that you can tick off boxes? Were you saved in that way? Or were you saved in a supernatural way? When, when the Holy Spirit worked in your heart and showed you the reality of Jesus and who he is? And, and showed you that you are now a child of God and can experience his love. Were you saved by following the law, the natural way, or in the supernatural way, but by the Spirit being set free from the legalistic way? And Paul's saying in that illustration, leave the slavery, leave the legalism, leave the religion, the natural way of thinking behind, and put your faith fully in the promise that you are saved by faith, that you're a child of God and loved by him. This is what it's all about. This is a, the relationship with God that, that many of us have entered into, that we go out on this estate day by day because we want more people to enter into. We, we pray for us as a, as a church because we want to go into our families and into our places of work and we want to share this wonderful news with, with people. That we can have a relationship with the God who made the universe, the God who should judge us and condemn us to hell, but the, judge who, the, the God who came to rescue us, save us, and adopt us into his family. Now, there's two, two traps I don't want us to fall into. The first one, which Paul's been going on about a lot, about not falling into religion and legalistic rules. It's not about a tick box. 
You don't have to be good to be a Christian. You have to come to Jesus. It's the first trap. The second trap is that, well, we think, hey, I'm saved by faith. That means I don't need to try. I can just, I can just do whatever I want. That's not true either. And having this, this picture of adoption and, and this picture of God as our Father helps us avoid those two traps. Like when, now I'm married to Jess. You know, I don't need someone to write me a list that I need to tick off each day. Okay, I need to tell Jess that I love her. I need to give her a kiss when I come in. I need to um, make sure I cook the tea and tick that one off. I mean, we've just moved into the home, so there's a bit of a list with, like, mirrors and coat hooks around the place that I need to drill into the wall, but that's understandable. But the rest of the stuff, I, I don't need a list. Oh, it's Jess's birthday next month. I don't need... I better do something good. I don't need someone to tell me that. Like, I love Jess, so I'm, I'm going to do that. But also, I don't think... Hey, about a month ago, Jess said I do, so she's stuck with me now. <laughs> so I don't think I can just sit back and do whatever I want because of this loving relationship I have with my wife. In a similar sort of way, as we're in this loving relationship with, with God as our Father, we know it's not a tick box. We know he's done it all. And we're so grateful and thankful for that. But then also we, we know that hey, I'm not just going to run off and do anything. I, I want to please him. I want to serve him. I want others to, to get to know him. And, and we'll just finish with this. So Paul, midway through chapter 4, he talks about being, being zealous. And it, he was saying how there's been lots of people around the Galatian church who were zealous to get them back into the law, into slavery, following rules and tick boxes. And he said, being zealous is good as long as it's for the right right purpose. He says from verse 17, he says, those people are zealous to win you over but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so you may have zeal for them. It's fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I'm perplexed about you. You hear Paul's heart. He's, he's zealous. He's passionate for them. He's, he's in the pains of childbirth. He's just grasping at an image to describe his emotion. He's longing for what? That Christ would be formed in the Galatian church, that they would become established, strong in their faith, that they'd understand the gospel and they'd go out and make disciples, they'd tell more people about Jesus, they'd love each other well. Now that, that's the heart of a pastor. But here's a challenge I want to put to us. What about if that was the heart of a people? Imagine, like the person that you're sat with, sat next to now, or the person in your connect group, or like imagine if, if your heart for them was, man, I just want to love you closer to Jesus. I want to model Christ for you well. I want to pray for you. I want to love you and love you. And I want, I long that Christ will be formed in you. And that sin that you're battling against, let's walk through it together. Remember, there's no perfect people allowed in this church. So we know that we're all Muppets. We know that we all mess up. But we know that Christ died so we could be free from that sin. So let's walk through that together. Imagine if that was the heart of us as a, as a people that we would long that Christ would be formed in each of us fully so that we display the beauty of Christ to, to this community, to our workplaces, so that they would see who he is. 
And then, hey, yeah, let's believe it, that, that they would understand this doctrine of justification, that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That it's not about them being a good person, or going to church, or being christened when they were a baby, but about them entering into a relationship with God as their father, adopted into that family, having the Holy Spirit coming and living amongst them. Wouldn't that be awesome? So that's the two challenges. And, and I, as I invite the, the band forward now, I've got just a couple of things for us to think about. I know I've spoken for a while. There was just so much to get through. We could, we could have, like, camped out on some of that stuff for weeks, man. Um, and I really would, I'd encourage you, go back, read through Galatians. Um, we, we take, like, a bit of a shift from next week. So remember how we say Paul, he sets up the theology, the big ideas, who God is and what he's done. And then he says, in view of all that, Live like this. So we're going to move on to the living like this from, from next week. Uh, Rachel Burns will be, uh, will be uh, bringing that word to us, Galatians 5, so, so pray for her. Um, but the, the couple of things I just want us to think about. Maybe for some of you, you, you haven't even made that step yet. You know, you, this, is, this might be some of the, you might have heard this for the first time, that man, I can enter into a relationship with God. I don't have to do anything myself, but it's all been done for me by Jesus. And maybe in this moment now as we worship, it's as simple as offering a prayer up to, to God. Just saying, God, I know I've messed up. I know that Jesus died for me so I could be saved. And I, I want you. I give my life to you. Thank you for what you've done. Simple as that. Maybe for some of you, you've done that in the past, but need to do it again today. And if you'd like someone to pray with you through that, me, Mike, uh, Jess is also here. Like, come and see us. We're, we'll be around the front. Um, don't feel nervous or embarrassed. We've all made this bold step at some point where we've given our lives to Jesus. So that'll be the first challenge. And, uh, and then I guess for the, for the rest of us, maybe let's, let's think... This week, could we send a message? Could we arrange to meet up with someone and encourage them and build them up in the faith so that Christ is formed in them? You know, we used to do this thing uh, called Love Mondays where we'd send uh, three, three texts out to someone in, in the church. Just a, maybe a Bible verse that the Lord laid in our heart or an encouraging message. And the amount of times that that just hit the spot... <laughs> on that particular Monday for that particular person. So maybe for the rest of us, think, allow the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. Is there a, a message, a verse you could send to someone this week uh, that would encourage them so that Christ would be formed in them? So let, let, me, let me pray for us, and then the band will lead us in worship. So Father, we stand again like just amazed at you. We thank you for the wonderful news that, that we are declared not guilty based on nothing we have done, but based on everything that Jesus has done. And that even more wonderful than that, we're adopted as sons into your family. We're your children, loved by you. And Lord, we, we want to experience that. We want to feel that, feel you close to us. So, Holy Spirit, we ask in this moment now, would you come and rest? on us and pour your love into our hearts Romans 5 promises that you, you do that that's one of the things that you do so Holy Spirit come and pour God's love into our hearts
And Lord, we, we pray that we would have the heart like Paul, that our greatest desire for our brothers and sisters that we're sat next to or we're in our connect group would be that Christ would be formed in them. And that together as a people, we would move forward in that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.